This is a 3CR community radio podcast. In Psychedelia is broadcast every Sunday from 2pm. For more info on anything you hear in the show, head to 3cr.org.au and follow the links to the Encyclopedia program page. Afternoon. It is in psychedelia on your uh, rather sunny Sunday spring afternoon. Uh, sitting across from me is Ash Blackwell. Ash, how are you doing? I'm quite well, thanks. That's good to hear. Uh, my name is Nick Wallace, and uh, we are on the program this afternoon to talk to you about all things drugs from the world of drug policy, science, uh, activism, the other various intersections of uh, of people engaging with the psychoactive world, and then the people world engaging back with it and going, hey, where's the middle ground, I guess? <laughs> Is that, I don't know, well, we had a bit of a bike ride here. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's uh, the, the dust off the bikes for the season. Yeah. It's, a, it's a nice ride for us, just straight down the Merry Creek, so it's all quite quite pretty, and um, we certainly weren't the only ones having that thought, that thought this afternoon. Very sensible idea, I think. Uh, thank you to Freedom of Species as well, who will be back next week from 1 o'clock. Uh, you can find their podcast and their website and all the information about the events and stories that they talk about by heading to the 3CR website, 3cr.org.au, and follow the links to the Freedom of Species uh, webpage. And while you're there, also check out the Encyclopedia webpage. Uh, now, over the past week, I, I well, I spent the first part of the week in hospital, so I don't know what's been going on. I'm uh, playing catch-up. What's been going on? Uh, anything exciting, Ash? We'll get into some news in a tick. Just generally? Uh, yeah, well, Life, I don't know. The universe, everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> How the um, I don't know. I had a, what, I can't. I don't even know. I'm in, I'm in the middle of job hunting right now, so it's ah. a, it's a strange world for me at the moment. Okay. Well, I know that. Um, well, I know that today's daylight savings, and now we have that little bit of extra sunshine. Uh, so if you're wondering, uh, if you think it's not two o'clock because you think it's three o'clock, it's two o'clock, and uh, <laughs> wind your wind your uh, wind your clock forward, forward. Wait, I don't know. I'm so confused. I always get confused. Well, I, Wait, the one technology o'clock? One o'clock, all does o'clock? it automatically for me I know. Now, that's so what does it. Um, yeah. I, yeah. It, makes it, it, much- it was just automatically updated. I didn't even notice the change. Technology took care of it for it's, me. It's apart from those winder clocks that you've usually got hanging in your kitchen. That's that's the one you've got to go get the stepladder to change that one over. Uh, there was a fundraiser last night. No idea how it went. Um, but a fundraiser for, uh, pill, uh, for pill testing uh, at over in... South Melbourne, I think it was, uh, and it was also a fundraiser. It was put on by uh, the socialists on the lead up to uh, the campaign. Uh, well, to to the um, uh, to the election, which is happening in just over a month now. We are fast arriving to the Victorian state election. Um, we're starting to see posters everywhere. Uh, there's meet the candidate events going on. Uh, Yarra Drug Health Forum will be running a meet the candidates event where I believe there will be representatives from uh, Labor, Liberal, Greens, Reason Party, uh, the... uh, uh, Who else am I missing? Was there... No? Four? Five? Oh, for the Yarra Dragon? I'm not sure. I think that's... It may, oh, and the socialists, I believe, as well, um, all talking about uh, drug issues in this area, especially with the uh, safe injecting centre down in North Richmond being uh, in the uh, apparently in the opposition, current opposition's um, crosshairs. Uh, they have promised to shut the down, shut down the centre uh, if they win the election. Um, a very uh, narrow uh, visioned 
uh, idea. It's not, obviously they're doing it for the cheap sort of political capital that they can gain from people that don't know anything about the centre and choose not to engage with information about it. Uh, so far, we know uh, from various, uh, from, from the statistics that have come out so far uh, that it has succeeded at what it's meant to be doing, which is getting people off the streets of uh, North Richmond, uh, getting people referrals if they need it, and stopping overdose. So there's not those ambulance call-outs all through the area. Uh, and we know that Judy Ryan uh, from the Victoria Street Drug Solutions Group is running uh, in, the state, in the seat of Richmond for the Reason Party. Uh, against uh, Richard Wynne, who is the incumbent Labor member. Although and I just should put, point out, no longer of the Richmond Victoria Street Drug Solutions oh, she, Group. She's she's withdrawn from, uh, resigned her position. So to that, keep that apolitical. That's right, because that is, that's an independent community group. So she stepped down when she decided Good to... Good on you. Look at that. Look at that uh, ethics in uh, in politics. You don't see a lot of that these days, do you? <laughs> uh, we'll get stuck into some news because we have an all-cannabis special today. And what a beautiful day for it. Uh, down at Flagstaff Gardens, uh, starting from now, from two o'clock, uh, is the Free Cannabis Communities uh, picnic, the first of the season. I believe they'll be happening every month or so uh, for the next couple of months as the uh, as the warm weather settles in, and it's settled in finally today. So, if that's something you're interested in, and uh, if anybody is listening from New South Wales, unfortunately, the picnic up there had to be cancelled due to poor weather. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, check out this weather, Sydney. I reckon there'll probably be some people there anyway. Yeah, yeah, probably. Uh, so we, yeah, we do have a cannabis special. We'll be catching up with Ms. Guidance from the Nimbin Hemp Embassy a bit later uh, to hear all things that the uh, Hemp Embassy keeps its eye on cannabis issues across the country with uh, a focus on well, the Northern Rivers, but also just politics-wise and policy-wise. Uh, and we're also going to be hearing a segment that you recorded um, at the Hemp Health and Innovation Expo? Yeah, last December, uh, I went down there and recorded a bunch of audio and rediscovered it on my computer. Ah, isn't um, that good? This is, <laughs> yeah, it is good. We're going to get some filing systems. <laughs> that's, that's next um, on the list. <laughs> yeah, so that was last December and we recorded um, an interview with the curators of the Joint Olympics, <laughs> of the, the Hemp Olympics Joint Rolling Competition. First things first, news. And psychedelia news of the week. I don't condone or advocate that everyone should use illicit drugs. I think it's a, a huge decision made with the right amount of research and forethought. The intention is to discourage ICE use. The actual effect is it encourages the stigmatisation of people who use this drug. The risk there is people are less likely to disclose their use even when they're experiencing some issues, so they're less likely to access essential health services. The potential for harm increases. People feel hesitant to be open about who they are because they're afraid of judgment from family members or people at work or, or just people in society in general. Many of them have conservative mindsets regardless of their politics uh, and will just say, oh well, then the, the, the government are not looking after us and therefore it seems as a law and order issue rather than a, a social problem that needs to be dealt with on, on a Public health basis. Drug news from Melbourne and around the world. Flacker, the new zombie drug taking over Australia. The latest drug to hit Australia sounds like a slacker, but turns users into zombies, <laughs> is the title of an article that appeared in who.com.au uh, in September. 
And the team down at AOD Media Watch uh, responded with an equally uh, interesting title. Journalists need brains. Zombie media perpetuate myths about Flacker. Um, now, if there's anyone out there that hasn't listened before, AOD Media Watch is a... a uh, like In, a independent, it's an independent organisation that's being academic. set up to try and provide some uh, feedback to journalists about um, the the kind of bad reporting that often happens with drugs. Sensationalist, sensationalist reporting, not sensational, <laughs> definitely not. So this article was written by let me just get uh, Kate Hornshaw, who's a writer and an op-ed columnist, and it basically breaks down the article in the. Um, who.com article breaks down some of the key mistakes that are made there and they're the ones that are pretty typical if you've been listening to the show for a while. Um, it has factual errors uh, reporting that um, some famous cases in the United States uh, involved flacker and they turned out not to so it's kind of re-repeating some bad reporting that's happened in the past. It, it makes it out to seem like this drug is really prevalent in Australia and we don't we don't have any reason to think that it's highly well, prevalent. I, and it's weird. Sorry, I'm just... Because I, I haven't followed this this week, but um, Flacker is Alpha PVP. It's a, it's a name, give, right. it's a nickname given to Alpha PVP. And it, this happened about four years ago when they went, brand new drug hit. So four years, generally, that it's not new after four years, but Yeah, it's well, new again. I had a look at one of the quotes in the article and it was actually just a regurgitated quote from 2015. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but, but um, uh, Kate, I think it was Kate... Ooh. Yeah, Katie, Katie's article is actually fantastic. Um, you can find that on the AOD Media Watch website. And it breaks down some of the, the key mistakes. But what it does that's really uh, good for me is it actually provides feedback. So it's not just like a sarcastic piss take, which is what I did when I read the <laughs> WHO article. And, um, and that's one of the important things that, um, that AOD Media Watch do do. They're not just there just to, just to fling at the uh, journalists who might you know, yeah. genuinely say that they don't know any better, although it is your job. To, to go out and find out yeah. that's what journalism is. but So the yeah. three key points were better fact-checking, provide counter-arguments to balance it out, so statistics and things to show how widely it is used, interview somebody who uses Alpha PVP and or somebody from the harm reduction community so that you can actually provide, instead of a sensationalist article that dehumanises people, provide something actually useful. Mm. Yeah, that would be helpful. Uh, I mentioned earlier that today the free cannabis community picnic is on down at Flagstaff Gardens. Um, the last one was back in April, of course, for, mm-hmm. for 20th, 20th of April. It's a bit of a political year this year. We've got a, an election coming up in Victoria. Uh, so we're somewhat more political today than we normally are. But since 2010, when we first started doing this, nothing's changed. The, the reason... We're having these gatherings is, is because of you guys. And have a have a look around. Man, you guys are beautiful. It's I, I can't explain. We are good people, and, and it is an absolute crime that that society, in any way, shape, or form, looks down on us. So uh, the, the real purpose of today is so we can all come here and we can have a look around and go, geez, what an awesome bunch of people. And I'm part of that crowd. So, so that's what today today is all about. It's 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 for you guys. And that was uh, Matt Riley at the uh, at the uh, free cannabis community uh, rally, I suppose, back in April. Although he does uh, prefer 
the word picnic, it was a bit more of a rally there because there were a few politicians along uh, and it was the big one. It's the big day that marks it, but uh, it's on today down at Flagstaff Gardens. Um, but <laughs> we're on the topic of cannabis. Western Australian police, I think they have some kind of like directive in their social media department to uh, post up every pissy little amount of cannabis uh, that they managed to find on somebody as um, as a big uh, social media post. And it's just, it's turned into like, uh, like, comedic fodder I suppose for the social media community and uh, just the other day another WA police department uh, posted up a uh, a a bunch of weed that they got and it's it's um for anybody I mean it's look it's a bunch of bags of of chopped up leaves um generally people are going for for bud for smoking purposes so, so the leaf was probably for making oil or something like that or uh yeah some other purpose and um yeah so it's not it's not exactly the the sort of big money uh amounts of of weed there somebody wasn't going to uh you know manage to retire off off of selling that uh but <laughs> wa police as always getting on onto it um and we've seen amounts as small as like one grand bags actually no probably more like three grand bags or something because they'd probably have to have a little bit more but yeah just uh you know we continue this spiral of silliness uh that one did actually get reported online in the new zealand herald <laughs> having a bit of a laugh at, at our cops over here um uh one more from me there's there's a new uh website out uh, called filtermag.org, which is uh, producing a lot of really good content for um, uh, on different aspects of drug policy. And an article that we shared from the Encyclopedia Facebook page today uh, has the title, Drug Reporters Know This Is A War, So Why Don't We Cover It Like One? And it's a call to really talk about the victims of that war as if they are victims of the war, and especially to go to the front line. Um, really draws a parallel between other wars where journalism has been important, particularly the, the Vietnam War, um, and what the reporting from the front line actually did to the kind of content that journalists produced. So I, I recommend it. It's a really good read, and there's a lot of other good articles on that site. And by by the front line, I suppose this is this is the thing that is um, sort of ill-defined because I know some people find even that word "war" to be a little bit strong uh, when referring to that. And I know the uh, the uh, anti-drug uh, law reform pundits like to go, "Oh, but it's not a war on drugs in Australia because it never got declared that here," and blah blah blah. Sort of misunderstanding the whole point of um, of rhetoric uh, in this. But uh, uh, when you look at places like in the Philippines, in the Philippines where we're Rodrigo Duterte uh, recently admitted to allowing extrajudicial killings, which he had previously sort of um, denied in in a manner that everybody knew that it was happening. But now he's admitted that, yes, uh, he knew what was going on and had ordered that. Um, This is where people are being killed uh, uh, without any uh, judicial process. The idea is that these people are being killed because they use drugs or addicted to drugs or sell drugs or something along the lines like that. Um, But uh, the way that they're being killed in the process um, by which that is happening you, you just don't know it could be just people who don't like each other it could be rival families gangs businesses whatever it could be all sorts of things uh and um this is being allowed to happen uh in a country uh that claims to uh have control of a rule, rule of law <laughs> really so yes there is a war if people are being murdered for no particular reason by another uh big actor uh that has weapons that would that's war and considering it is maintained through global institutions like the United Nations through the United Nations treaties, uh, then yes, it is a global war.
uh, even if it, we don't see the guns as much here. Uh, any other final news stories? Um, well, yeah, just very quickly. Richard Branson has been in the country and um, there's been a big walk happening from Dubbo to uh, the Uniting Church in Sydney, I believe. Um, and they've been collaborating uh, with Uniting, possibly Unharm as well. I'm not quite sure. Um, and they've got... Um, uh, Richard Branson over here and there's going to be an event happening on the 12th of October where are the details of that event um, yep uh, fair well, treatment campaign launch uh, from 10am at Sydney Town Hall 483 George Street um, and this is this is also partly because the Uniting Church Synod in New South Wales and the ACT is the first I believe in Australia possibly the world not no, maybe it's not the world, it's definitely Australia, um, to be a, a church that's come on and said we want decriminalisation uh, and they, they want to see, uh, like, they officially endorse decriminalisation as their policy. So Richard Branson is coming to be a part of that um, and I believe um, possibly Newer are a part of that. There's a few other organisations yeah. that, that are sort of uh, mixed in with that as well. So, um, yeah, that's huge news in, um, in New South Wales. We're going to leave it. World Mental Health Day 2018 is coming up on October 10th. This year, the World Health Organization's theme is Young People and Mental Health in a Changing World. Talking about what it means to grow up in today's society and how to build mental resilience to cope with pressures. To celebrate on Brainwaves, we want to hear from you. Send in your stories about what resilience and mental health means to you. Head to brainwaves.org.au to find out more and submit your story. Tune into 3CR Community Radio on Wednesday the 10th of October at 5pm to hear our special Mental Health Week edition of Brainwaves. Or listen to the podcast on the 3CR website. Brainwaves, hear the world differently. Proudly sponsored by Worldways Australia. This is Ash from Psychedelia on 3CR Radio here at the Hemp Health and Innovation Expo and I'm here with S. Sorensen and Alan Glover who ran yesterday's joint rolling competition which we got a lot of photos of. Um, it, was, it was quite the thing. You guys uh, have a uh, bit of a shtick. You've been doing it for a while, have you? Yeah, well, um, once we retired from our professional careers as joint rollers, um, stopped touring the world, we didn't want to just leave it and let anything happen. So uh, we've been um, declared officials by the uh, International Hemp Olympics Committee and uh, and we like to run it as well and talk it through, you know, commentate it because there's a lot of information that people wouldn't know just by watching it happen um, and a lot of techniques that people could employ to roll better joints, basically. Yeah, and it's just one of the disciplines and... Alan and I were both, I, joint rolling wasn't my forte when I was the athlete, uh, Alan was more the joint roller, I, I was the, um, the the bong thrower, it's one of the three disciplines in the Olympics, is throwing a bong a long way, and then I did my arm in, but at this stage of our, our lives, we think it's really good to give something back to the sport that, um, that gave us so much. Travel the world. We're just back from Brussels. For this, every uh, three years, they have a meeting of the Hemp Olympics Committee, and uh, we went over there. And uh, we are the only two 
uh, registered uh, hemp Olympics officials in Australia. So, of course, we had to be down here, but it's very important that your listeners know that this was an exhibition match. Hmm. It wasn't uh, a fair income match because the conditions aren't quite right here. But, but we very much enjoyed it, and I think people did learn a lot. Oh, they certainly did, and, uh, you know, it's always nice to be able to offer an opportunity for... Uh, you know, a joint roller who doesn't realise that there's an athletic side, that there's a sports side, and it was really nice when we asked for volunteers who'd like to get up. I mean, we put some little prize packages together just to, you know, get them interested and enthused, but really people got up and had a go and were thrilled by the um, the excitement of participating yes. in a sporting event like like the and joint rolling, rolling competition. It was, it was so great for us to have the current world champion creative joint rolling. Now, joint rolling has four divisions. Uh, rolling in the dark, um, the Queenslanders are good at that. Adverse conditions, Melbourne, yesterday. And uh, creative joint rolling and speed joint rolling, which is a champagne event. Speed, mm. It's just, it's a 100 metre dash. There's no question that's the one that gets all the television coverage. Yeah, yeah, and, um, and uh, that's where Alan first made his mark in uh, joint rolling, he was a speedster. Oh, seeing those fingers move, mate. It was, it was an absolute privilege back yes. in the day. It's a lot, um, it's a lot, I'll tell you what, your listeners could have a crack if they wanted to. Uh, basic uh, rules are a three paper joint with a filter must be smokable as fast as you can. Now, yesterday we watched um, Bob, who's a bit past his prime, we've got to say. With the, with the speed rolling, yeah, and he, he was a champion. But now he, we were so fortunate to have him here, and he's still the world champion in creative joint rolling. And he knocked it over in 32 seconds. The speed rolling? The speed rolling. Now, in my heyday, I'm not wanting to brag or anything, but 15 seconds was pretty standard seconds. for me. And, and that's you... starting with your hands on your head, with the papers and the mull and the filter paper in front of you. And it's go, hands off the heads, three papers with a filter. It gets down to the microsecond and uh, Alan, the innovator, big innovation in sport, you don't see much except you know some European countries like it. He was the first of the sports uh, joint rollers to get down on his knees so that his eyes and mouth for licking were actually closer to the papers yeah, than the gunja and he saved, we estimate, could have been up to three quarters of a second. Yeah, it's amazing uh, how, how much difference that can make. And, and it, was, it was picked up pretty quick though, wasn't it? Yeah, and the next thing you know, everybody's doing <laughs> right, it, everyone's yeah. doing it. And then unfortunately in, uh, I think, was it in Rio de Janeiro, the hemp Olympics there, that you did the finger tap? Yeah, it was Rio, that's right. I think of it as my round finger. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, just snap the tendon, just oh. going too quick. Yeah. Oh, it was just uh, too quick, so fast, the body couldn't keep up. Snapped the tendon. Yeah. Uh, next thing you know, next time we went, he was slow. He was getting paper cuts from the, the rolling papers. It was a very sad part of your life, wasn't it, mate? It very was. Sad. But you know what it opened up? It opened up an opportunity that we hadn't seen. And, uh, and so we created the Disabled Hemp Olympics. Yes. And uh, people like me who suffer from uh, a tendon, sorry, it still upsets me a little bit when I think about it. I've got one myself right there. Yeah, there you go, see? Yeah. But you can still, this is the thing, you can still roll a joint. Yeah. Uh, even even disabled people yeah. like us can still roll a joint. And so, you know, that's a cheery thing. We should always be thankful uh, if we can still roll a joint. Yeah, so it's been an exciting career for us and we love coming to Melbourne and other far-fung places. Uh, we don't get to these little little towns much anymore. 
No, of course not. And are there, around the world, you guys have travelled all around the world with yeah. Hemp Olympics, are there yeah. some places that stand out as being better for certain disciplines? Like The Swiss Alps for the bomb throw. It's amazing. Isn't it? you, you just pretty much hang it out and drop it, it'll go two kilometres. Yeah, it's yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. In Nimbin, the home of the Hemp Olympics in Australia, where we, we uh, officiate every year, Mardi Gras, uh, first weekend of May, you know, uh, a 40 metre throw is a fantastic oh, throw, but Switzerland really, yeah, you know. And it's, uh, they're funny, and you, you know, that whole, that whole yodeling. Ladies thing. and gentlemen, thank you for attending oh. Hemp Health and Innovation Expo 2017. Oh, I think they're closing up the show. The expo is now closed. If you can oh. start making your way to the front door, thank you everybody for attending, and we look forward to seeing you next year. If the exhibitors can start their bump out, it would be much appreciated. We have to be out of the building. We'll edit this bit out. <laughs> well, I guess I better get a hurry up. Have you guys got any tips for the, the avid joint roller at home? It's that French girl again, isn't it? Yep. The, uh, people used to say, if you really want to find the love of your life, for men, if you're a man, you want to find the love of your life, learn to cook. I reckon to present a woman with a beautifully rolled joint. The joint that's rolled with love. It doesn't have to be fast. I say, slow, make it slow, make it last. To present a beautiful joint will give you the love that we all deserve in our life. I'd say so too. And really, if you want to just practice um, full joint rolling at home, roll joints. And it's all about the fingers. I learned to play Mozart just so I could get good George Rolling fingers. Absolutely true, and it, and it did help, didn't it? You, yeah. you actually, one of the first musical joint rollers was S. Yeah. Sorensen, who would, who would hum, uh, what was it, one of the quintets, I think. Yeah, the Mozart, the uh, Sonata in D-flat. And, uh, you know, I would play it so often, it, uh, it, it took the bark off my fingers. Yep. <laughs> And we were hearing there from S. Sorensen and Alan Glover, who are part of the comedy duo Glover and Sorensen. And that was at the Hemp Health and Innovation Expo 2017. And that will be happening again this year. Once again, it will be in December over the weekend of the 8th and 9th. And I highly recommend it. Um, and they are also regular features up at the uh, Nibbin Mardi Gras uh, Festival. That's right. They uh, curate some of the Hemp Olympics up there. They, they run the joint rolling competition. Curate, curate the Olympics. Um, excellent. Um, and we are going to be hearing just shortly from Ms. Guidance from the uh, Nibbin Hemp Embassy to find out uh, what's been going on uh, up that part of the world this time of year. This is in Psychedelia on 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM, 3CR Digital and 3cr.org.au. Uh, it's Nick and Ash. And um, hi. <coughs> hi, Acacia. <laughs> Tune in to On Screen and find out more about what's on the big and the small screen each Saturday, 11am till 12 noon on 3CR. It's a program on film, on filmmakers and on film festivals. It's called On Screen, mm, but it's on the radio, 3CR.
Join 3CR's breakfast teams at our annual film fundraiser on Saturday, October 13th. At Loop Project Space and Bar. 23 Myers Place, Nam. And we'll be screening the film Life is Waiting, looking at referendum and resistance in Western Sahara, followed by a post-show live panel discussion featuring Kamal Fadel from the Australian Western Sahara Association. Now, tickets are... Good $15 for the waged and $5 unwaged at the door. So come along, have a bit of fun. All proceeds go to Keeping Breakfast Programming on air as 3CR so you can keep hearing these beautiful voices we have at our radio station. And that again will be on Saturday the 13th of October from 5pm. Film starts at 6, um, preferably show up by 5.30 and hopefully to see you all lovely people there. Well, I love 3CR and so I'm going to definitely be there. In Psychedelia on 3CR Community Radio, 855 AM, 3CR Digital, 3CR.org.au. My name is Nick Ash, sitting across from me and on the line now, all the way from the beautiful Northern Rivers, so I hope it's beautiful today, uh, Ms Guidance. Ms, how are you doing? Uh, great, and it's a bit stormy today, which is fantastic. Yeah, I should have, uh, yeah, should have mentioned It's been dry for a few months, so it's great to see the rain. So oh, good. Happy yeah, in that department. It yeah. seems to be uh, New South Wales is either on fire or underwater at the moment, so at least yeah. you're neither. Yes, these terrible extremes. Uh, it's pretty beautiful around here most of the time, but definitely bushfires are a big problem. And, yeah, we had a few fires around here that were quite major over that sort of drought, dry period. But anyway, I'm sure um, the crops are going, <laughs> the mully crops are going fine, though, so we don't have to worry about those. Uh, glad to hear. <laughs> and and um, I think the last time we spoke was just after the, uh, uh, about a month after... Mardi Gras, um, yes. Yeah, Mardi Gras, which was back yeah. in about June. So we're nearly into October now. Um, I think it must be 1st yeah. of October tomorrow or Tuesday or something. Um, yeah. So what, what's been happening from the yeah. Hemp Embassy perspective? Oh, okay. Well, other than enjoying ourselves and uh, definitely enjoying some very fine herb, <laughs> people are also very busy because um, hippies are always very serious. And uh, <laughs> so in Nimbin itself, it's becoming more of a little bit of a, um, a plant and herb mecca, uh, not just cannabis, uh, but uh, there's recently uh, a group called Nimbin Herbals have opened and they're very much focusing on, I guess, the whole beautiful uh, cornucopia or garden of herbs, including cannabis. And they're going to focus on workshops and education and not only sort of in physical in the in the space they have, but they'll be doing live streaming and all that high-tech stuff as well to get information out there. So that's really interesting. And there's a, another group called the Hemp Club, and uh, they've uh, got a space in the community centre where they're really uh, doing demonstrations of weaving with hemp and silk, making uh, all sorts of beautiful fabrics and clothes. And they also uh, make uh, basically like cosmetics or skincare products as well. And then there's another group which I haven't met yet, but I've just heard on the grapevine that uh, they've opened a little space as well in the community centre focusing on industrial hemp. And, uh, yeah, building products and things like that. So um, I guess uh, with the embassy there, really promoting um, hemp for food, that's a big part of our sort of, uh, you know, products that we have there at the moment since um, finally it was um, allowed, you know, hemp 
seed is now allowed for consumption, which happened about a year ago, November 2017. Uh, Australia was the last um, <laughs> last place in the Western world to allow it. So good on you, Oz. We're um, about 20-odd years behind, uh, say, the Canadian um, hemp food industry, so that's good to be a long way behind them. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> Um, so, yeah, that's really exciting. Nimbin's always a great little, uh, uh, you know, melting pot for all sorts of great ideas and innovations. So it's really, really fun that, um, I guess, people's love of plants and gardening and uh, knowing about the medicinal properties of, um, of plants is something that's, uh, that's really, uh, I guess, flowering there even more than usual. Um, uh, I have... Uh, suggested a few times that we do an EGA conference in Nimbin, so maybe I'll keep, um, <laughs> I'll keep sort of pushing that because um, you know it is a, it's almost like it's um, it's a permanent EGA setup. So, <laughs> you should all come and live here. <laughs> I, I would love to come and visit for that. Um, when I was at the the health uh, Hemp Health and Innovation Expo last December chatting to some of the storeholders, one of the things that the uh, hemp fibre producers were talking about is how much they've increased the scale of their cultivation uh, this, this last year or two. Is that something that you're seeing a lot more of up that way as well? Are you guys doing large-scale industrial hemp yeah. cultivation? Yeah. I was going to say, yeah, you're absolutely right. That person, definitely, it's taken off a bit more. Um, yeah, definitely, there's um, there's more and more people up this way getting into industrial hemp, quite a few industrial hemp farmers in the immediate area of Nimbin. And uh, it seems to me, though, that, um, like, for instance, uh, being able to manufacture the uh, hemp into food like seeds or flour or oils, that seems to be really taking off. There's um, quite a number of different companies doing that now. Um, however, I don't know um, if there is really a uh, functioning manufacturing um, sort of facilities in Australia yet, for instance, to turn uh, the raw hemp into fabrics because oh, right. most of that is still coming from um, other countries. So like Canada, for instance, or well, China. So we're shipping our fibre off to get produced Correct. elsewhere. Correct, yeah. So there's, I think, um, uh, I'm under the impression that, yeah, one of the little, uh, I guess, hurdles still to happen for the hemp industry is indeed for, I guess, some um, investment to be made into um, manufacturing sector in that in that domain. But it, it's that is sure to start happening as well as, as the demand grows too. So um, now, other than... Uh, other than those wonderful plant things happening in Nimbin, um, we, we've uh, had a few sad things happen too. Uh, the war on drugs never stops. Um, prohibition is always an ugly shadow breathing down our neck. And, uh, and unfortunately, um, the head gnome of the hemp embassy, Michael Balderstone, um, was uh, uh, swabbed positive in a roadside drug test. No. Hang on. So- Are you telling me that the, the head of... <laughs> Nimbin's hemp embassy swabbed positive for one of those. Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, sorry, I'm being facetious, but uh, oh, well, uh, that's... No, everyone pretends that no one smokes pot, don't they? So um, <laughs> officially, no one does. And, um, and just to be clear, I'm, I'm quite sure that Michael is a uh, responsible driver and wasn't going and getting super blazed and getting on the roads with you know bleeding eyes, uh, you know, right. being well, a danger. 
dangerous driver. I, driver. <laughs> I guess um, one of the issues for some of our more elderly and long-term um, – oh, I hope you can't hear me calling him elderly. Anyway, <laughs> some of the more long-term uh, users of cannabis. So, you know, you've now got people in there, maybe 60s, 70s and so on, who've been using cannabis for many years. Uh, I reckon that even, you know, that I reckon they could pick it up in their saliva quite easily. Um, the as we've probably discussed before, it's own, it's not uh, sort of testing for impairment like good old um, uh, alcohol breath testing. It's really uh, just testing for the presence of um, the THC in your system. So uh, that's a bit of injustice for people. And uh, so Michael's um, uh, basically Michael's court hearing hasn't come up yet. So. We'll report back after that has happened on how things go. But, um, yeah, definitely the whole, you know, as medical cannabis becomes uh, more acceptable and more widespread, it's uh, to get the road testing to do with, uh, you know, the level of uh, impairment to do with cannabis use becomes more important. But I don't know if any kind of political or will or, you know, the police don't really want, you know, it's just easy for them at the moment. And mm. as a side, there was a, an interesting news article maybe a month ago where um, in New South Wales at least um, the government had introduced legislation whereby, uh, you know, for a low-level drink driving offence or a drug driving offence that the police could issue on-the-spot fines or do that at that point. Um, the reason being that they didn't want it, they don't want these things to go to the courts because, for example, once a, a drug driving charge comes to the court, um, and you know, for instance, you're someone who's had a you know squeaky clean driving record, and you know, you've said that you probably um, you know smoked 12 hours prior or whatever that you weren't impaired. So, people are, for instance, um, getting good behavior bonds, or basically, they're, they're getting uh, results that police don't like. <laughs> and, and this is really frustrating because it, it feels like it shows, it demonstrates that the police either really, really don't know what they're talking about in terms of the, the science here, or um, that they, they really are trying to use it as, as a scapegoat, as a, as a bit of a witch hunt to find um, those those uh, those witches out there using those evil ointments, yeah, those evil herbs, those mind-altering plants. Right. It's a bit of a blunt tool of punishment on, you know, a certain part of the community. Unfortunately for the police, and I hope this will be a leverage for change in the future, is, you know, the increasing uh, group of people or demographic uh, who are using cannabis, the medical cannabis users, yeah, aren't the usual people that police are harassing. So it's strange that this um, interest in roadside drug testing has sort of come along and increased in its intensity. I think the New South Wales police were, or their plan was to do 90,000 tests this year. Mm. Um, yeah, just as medical cannabis is growing in in use and interest by, you know, frankly, people that are senior citizens, um, a lot of them, people that are in wheelchairs with um, serious issues. Um, yeah, basically a lot of very chronic and serious conditions people are uh, 
getting help for with medical cannabis, as well as, uh, you know, people that are still working and living regular lives and looking after families and having to drive um, who may be suffering from chronic pain or other um, ailments. And uh, so they're then in a state of fear as well about, um, yeah, this, this prospect of losing your licence and your livelihood is, um, yeah, it's, it's basically now um, less of a hassle to be caught with weed than it is to be caught with, um, you know, a, a speck of uh, THC in your saliva. Mm. Mm. It, uh, and it, it's not um, not just in New South Wales. Obviously, in Victoria, uh, there was an, an announcement of uh, several tens of millions of dollars towards the roadside drug testing uh, uh, campaign, and that's not to do any testing on whether these tests are useful or what they're meant to do, make the roads safer, any kind of analysis of that, um, but just to just to throw more tests out onto the streets and to have more uh, drug buses to, to, to up the numbers of people that are running through the current regime with no sort of critical reflection over if this uh, current regime is actually making roads safer or if it's having flow-on effects, as we have heard in the past on the program, where we've heard about people, especially in regional areas, so especially in places like Nimbin, um, where uh, if somebody loses their licence for three months or six months or however long a, uh, a first um, indication that you have used drugs at some point in the past three months or whatever these tests are meant to do, <laughs> Uh, then you'll be removed from the road. That might mean you lose your job. That may, might mean that you can't, uh, you lose contact with uh, with family and friends, uh, aren't able to go and see things as much. It puts a huge strain on your life in other ways as well. But um, maybe let, let's just move to the ACT quickly because there was a bit of news um, from the ACT and Ash, you've been following along this story a little bit. Oh, yeah, loosely. It was the um, it was a Labor backbencher, Michael um, Peterson, that was, I think it has been introduced now and seems to have the backing of, um, well, at least, you know, the health minister, Megan Fitzharris, uh, has said that she won't rule out supporting the bill. So, you know, are we, are we looking at a new era here where we start to get some progress? What do you think? Well, you know... It- it sounds really great, and uh, let's hope they keep sort of pushing it through because then we can all move to Canberra. <laughs> <laughs> well, hasn't um, isn't it true though that the ACT and good old South Australia that you know since the nineties have had very liberal drug laws? Oh, though I know mm. that they've rolled them back bit by bit, but yeah, you could South Australia in your own at some point in those um, in those jurisdictions. Yeah, the ACT for whatever reason of the the local politics has had, um, you know, they've really been on the front foot with a lot of drug policies right back through the 90s. That that was where they were nearly going to have a a trial of um, supervised injecting centre with prescription heroin um, until it got stomped on by the federal government. That's where we saw the first, uh, you know, government-sanctioned pill testing trial earlier this year. So, you know, maybe if it is going to happen anywhere, the ACT might be the place. Yeah, might be the uh, spot where, um, yeah, they might get some cannabis uh, tourism happening. <laughs> really, I was going to say cannabis tourism is great because, um, you know, it's such a happy drug for recreational use anyway. And uh, and Nimbin would be a beautiful prototype. So just imagine 
Canberra looking a bit more like Nimbin. <laughs> oh, the public servants will love that. Now, yeah, uh, most of them are probably pot smokers that's, anyway. That's, that's the other <laughs> factor is it's such a widespread drug that's used. And, and, and maybe that's um, that's even one of the one of the cliches that we should challenge here because a lot of people obviously think of Nimbin when they uh, think of cannabis in Australia because since the 1960s, late 60s, early 70s? Oh, since the Aquarius Festival, yeah, the early 70s. 72? Yeah, anyway, since then, uh, Nimbin has um, basically been the, the, the Australian cannabis mecca, um, which has given a, a certain stereotype, certain look of a person, certain kind of person. But you, you, the numbers of people that are using cannabis in the country, at the moment, one in ten Australians, which is about uh, two and a half million people, are regular <laughs> cannabis users. That means uh, within, I think, the... the um, Household survey, uh, which I'm getting those figures from, was something like one uh, once in the past month. But one in three people have tried it, which is what's that? 10, 11. Uh, sorry, no, not 10, 11, seven. I'm doing my maths wrong. Eight, seven or eight million um, people. So you do get a lot of um, people that uh, might look different. That's And this, I'm only saying this for those out there that are listening that might have never touched cannabis, which could be very, very few of our current 3CR listeners. And we are, uh, I'll just uh, mention that we are chatting with uh, Ms. Guidance from the Nimbin Hemp Embassy right now. Uh, and we've been talking about uh, Canberra, which is... Um, uh, there's a Labor MP who wants to effectively legalise cannabis, but there are also some other parts of the world uh, that will be legalising cannabis soon. Um, Kath, Canada, which you were in about this time last year, wasn't it? So again, which I what? <laughs> Sorry, ca- Canada. You you were in yep. Canada about this time last year, weren't you? Oh, um, we were. We visited. Uh, I'm just thinking it was February, March. So yeah, when when we, we were in Vancouver, so uh, Canada's interesting because it's had its uh, it's had legal medical cannabis since the early thousands, and each state does its own thing, and then within each state, each uh, city or uh, county or area does its own thing as well in terms of regulation. So this uh, on October the seventeenth is where the legal federal regulations kick in, um, which I believe then override what goes on elsewhere with the other with the other levels of government and uh, it's uh, finally uh, allowed basically for people who enjoy it. Um, I must say the revolutions that we have these days are incredible, aren't they? Um, a government granting everyone the ability to them enjoy themselves. Here, everyone, you have this bit of pleasure. You're allowed to have it and it has to be sold from a Canadian uh, government shop as well. <laughs> well, yeah, so I mean... Anyway, yeah, they've got all sorts of um, new standards and it's, as you can imagine, it's... Uh, it's the transition between what's been going on now, up, up until now, into this has been very difficult for a lot of people um, already involved in the industry. So, for instance, um, it looks like uh, either you have to have a fair bit of money once again to then get into the industry, whether it's as a dispensary operator um, or through to growing or whatever manufacturing. Um, they do allow for micro licenses for home grows, but there seems to me to be nothing in the middle 
So um, a lot of people who probably can't afford, say, $30,000 for a licence um, are dropping out of that market now. Mm. So it's, um, yeah, it's been a bit of a disruption for, I guess, the gravy train that's been going on for a while. Um, one of the reasons why, of course, um, cannabis is uh, becoming legal for recreational use in Canada is the medical uh, cannabis system that they had set up was by and large, and I think the same is with California, um, it was really, uh, for all intents and purposes, a smokescreen for recreational use. Um, in When we visited Vancouver, we probably visited about 20 different dispensaries in that city, and only one of them um, was really medical. Wow. So, like, for example, going to that one, you had to go and have a doctor's consultation. And uh, so it was set up to indeed help people that had uh, medical conditions they wanted treated. And, yeah, to me, um, it's important to have in a regulated sort of industry to have those uh, those demarcations because then people can get the type of service that they really need. So all the other ones we went to were all um, uh, on the surface um, presented as medical, but um, even as a uh, visitor from overseas, uh, yeah, we could just go and buy pot. So um, it's great that um, people will be able to do this sort of properly without pretending. Uh, but, yeah, I think I've got a feeling a lot of those shops that we visited may disappear. It is a um, – there's a careful balance that needs to be struck, and I know a lot of people uh, have felt – cynical towards the way that California's model happened because it almost ta it almost like trivializes the real medical benefits in mixing them up with somebody uh, using it for sort of personal therapeutic reasons and I find this a bit of a tangle sometimes because in Australia the the therapeutic goods administration is our regulator of all therapeutic goods but there's mm. lots of thing that things that people do for themselves including um, take cannabis uh, in whatever form that they want that they do for personally therapeutic reasons which might not be uh, like a real kind of therapy but we kind of have this kind of informal and formal use of that term therapy where it doesn't yeah, always Look, have to be. I guess, you know, sort of, uh, 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 you know, stress relief after a big day at the office or, um, you know, it's, it's yeah, it can be used to simply relax you and make you feel, um, uh, you know, get the weight off your feet type of thing. The same as a so therapeutic watch of Netflix or a therapeutic book or a therapeutic totally. hug with the chickens, you know? <laughs> now, that's, um, that's totally different to, <laughs> of course, someone needing assistance and expert advice on the use of cannabis to treat, say, childhood epilepsy. Absolutely. Or, um, That's... Multiple sclerosis. And those people are out there in great numbers as well, as in that whole market exists. And um, yeah, to, to, yeah, to combine the two is a bit mad. Um, but anyway, that's, I guess, the, the other strange thing that goes on, as we know, is um, it seems that different jurisdictions just love to reinvent the wheel. And Australia, we do that very oh, regularly too. It's experts. like having no interest in looking at what things actually work but anyway <laughs> oh, we'll, um, even, we'll even do it within five years of having just just gone out and uh and figured out what's going on and then five years later we'll go oh, but we've got to do it again now <laughs> oh, why, <laughs> why do, do we do this and in this case trials after trials or whatever um the other thing that's going on in canada and you probably noticed this as well is that um already due to the fact they've had this 20 odd years medical cannabis industries you've got these giant cannabis companies um there's one called 
canopy growth that mm-hmm. to me I, when I listen you know when I say those words I feel like there's you know full-on jungle to sort of coming over us all um yeah it's basically um yeah it's big cannabis just like big farmer um you know controlling um mega grows and big business everywhere so yeah that is a bit of a worry too because you've got this then you know the concentration of wealth <laughs> in a small number of hands the kind of products they're putting out you know they're controlling that totally because i think with um you know the plant world we'd have to agree that diversity is an important um function of um its excellence and uh, to cultivate that is very important and um um you know isn't that what this free enterprise, you know, model of economic thinking supposed to be about as well, you know, diversity against monopolies. and. But anyway, as we see, it doesn't really (laughs) play out that way, does it? (laughs) No, I'm starting to wonder whether whether anything can ever turn out the way that it's meant to or uh, if, if we're just yeah. living in a bit of a, a dream and these these things are inevitable ends to the way that we're approaching them. No. I don't know. I hope not. But <laughs> Let's just have another spliff. Yeah. Hey, um, the other thing that's going on, um, just on a slight segue back to the drug testing, um, roadside drug testing is... Canada is going to start introducing the roadside drug testing and it looks to be the Draeger 5000, which is indeed one of the testing apparatus the police use here in Australia. So, um, yeah, we're going to try to keep an eye on that and see how it goes, but that'll be be a... Particularly interesting alongside the the cannabis uh, legalisation, but I wonder then will that create incentives for them to go and and research new technology technology or new innovations so that they don't have that problem. Because I think, um, yeah, because I think unlike uh, Australia, I'm sure what would happen in Canada and the US would be similar is that they'd become suddenly constitutional issues about human rights and, uh, and you know, it's uh, cops shouldn't be able just to test people. Um, or the other aspect of it would be, by the way, that um, that those there would be no such thing as just random drug tests. That maybe, if for instance you've um, are you getting uh, your woolly problem, you'd get tested then or whatever. But um, yeah, I'm sure there'll be court challenges anyway. We'll keep our eye on that space, and we look forward to hearing about how uh, Michael Borderstone's trial goes uh, and uh, and just keeping our eye on roadside drug testing across the country because it's a very imperfect system at the moment we want to keep roads safe but we don't want people removed from roads and negatively affecting their life uh, and their livelihood if they weren't actually a danger in the first place and finding that line is important thank you very much Ms Gardens for joining us today (laughs) thank you so much guys Um, Ms Gardens there from the Nimbin Hemp Embassy and this is in Psychedelia 3CR Community Radio 855 AM 3CR digital 3cr.org.au some final events Uh, this week there's a couple out there for the students on Tuesday at uh, no sorry Wednesday at Melbourne University the student union is running a workshop on safer partying 
And on Thursday, out at Monash Uni, you can go to a discussion on drugs, law and stigma, a discussion panel. And uh, this is for Sydney, so any Sydney listeners, or if you have friends or relatives in Sydney, uh, on Friday the 12th of October at Sydney Town Hall, the Fair Treatment Campaign launch from 10am. That's at 483 George Street in Sydney, um, with Richard Branson uh, helping to launch uh, the Uniting Care-led campaign on drug law reform. This has been in Psychedelia. Please find us on social media, 3cr.org.au. Uh, last week's podcast is also up, and this week's will be up shortly, and we're going to go through that backlog and fill out the rest. Queering the air up next. See you later. Enjoy your Sunday. This is in Psychedelia. Comments, complaints, or contributions are welcome. Jump on the 3CR website. 3cr.org.au and head to the Encyclopedia program page. Get in contact with us on Facebook or Twitter or send us an email. Encyclopedia does not condone or condemn people who use drugs for their choices. Our aim is to present the diverse intersections of psychoactive drugs and society. If you are concerned about your own drug use or a friend's drug use, DirectLine provides a free and confidential counselling service 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Call 1-800-888-236. In Psychedelia, we'll be back on 3CR from 2pm next Sunday. You've been listening to a 3CR community radio podcast of Encyclopedia. Find us on Facebook and Twitter.